Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman. It's been a little bit, but I think we are ready to go. We're ready to get geared up for the 2022 college football season. Um, big news in the summer. Part of the reason I haven't recorded is it's been kind of uh, waiting for the next shoe to drop, but it, it kind of seems like the, the shoes are through dropping for now. Um, USC or Southern Cal and UCLA have joined the Big Ten. And if you've been under a rock, you're thinking, Jeremy, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they be in the Big Ten? And you're right. It doesn't make any sense. And to me, this is my biggest problem with um, this kind of realignment that we've seen in recent years. And, and you look no further. If you want a cautionary tale on what you can see um, when you have this, this issue of overexpansion, is what I would call it. Look at West Virginia. There was a time, and a lot of people forget this, because... College football has been so rapidly changing over the last couple decades that, that people forget that around 2003, 2004, 2005, West Virginia football was hot. Uh, that was the team that all the young folks, like it was like them in Oregon, you know. Uh, the, you had the old the old guard, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, um, Florida, teams like that. But, but the new school was teams like Oregon and West Virginia, and the Big East was hot. Uh, people forget that that when Miami won that title in 2001, um, they won it as a member of the Big East. Uh, when Michael Vick and uh, Virginia Tech played for the national title, and I might have gotten that wrong on that Miami national championship, but you know the one I'm talking about. You know that stretch of Miami uh, with Larry Coker when they were absolutely loaded uh, at Miami. Um but around that same time, when Mike Vick was playing for the national title at at um, Virginia Tech, uh, they weren't members of the ACC. They were members of the Big East. Um, that's where Miami was. I may have said Big Ten, but I meant Big East. Uh, West Virginia was in the Big East, and around it would have been the 2004 season. You know, they were one win away from from being in the BCS championship game. I could go on. Louisville was a kind of a spoiler around that time. They weren't. A great team, but but with with Brom, I think was the quarterback's name. They they were red hot, and and they those games were fun, and the Big East was fun, and it was loaded with teams that traditionally played each other, even if they weren't regional rivals. There's nothing regional about Louisville and Miami, uh, but they had a little bit of history in that conference, and those games were fun. It was memorable. I remember sitting in my college dorm and watching that West Virginia team play and watching. West Virginia play Virginia Tech every year, and Virginia Tech play Miami every year, which, which they still do, and, and Louisville play in West Virginia, and I remember those games mattering and being fun, but at some point, they kind of that conference kind of fell by the wayside as one of the Power Five conferences somehow, and got picked apart, and things have been okay for the Big East teams, the Boston College, Louisville, Miami, Virginia Tech, Pitt. Uh, obviously, those teams have played four and won ACC titles. Virginia Tech won several, actually. Um, but look at West Virginia. Uh, you know, the ACC was a better fit for those schools. It, it, you know, Syracuse is another one that the the footprint expanding that far north was a little bit much. But but Louisville and and Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia was already in the ACC. Um, those fit so well into the ACC footprint that things just feel natural for them. For West Virginia, it's not natural. And 
you've gone from really caring about West Virginia games to half the time I forget they're in the Big 12. Now, some of that is the recruiting has fallen off. The team hasn't been as good. You know, West Virginia was really, really good in 2011. They beat the brakes off of my Clemson Tigers in that Orange Bowl. But mostly since they moved to the Big 12, it hasn't been that way. It's been very bleak for them, largely because nothing about it makes sense. There was heat behind a West Virginia-Virginia Tech game, a West Virginia-Louisville game, a West Virginia-Miami game. There was history. There was, I'm going to use this word a lot, there was soul in that. When you talk about West Virginia playing Baylor, there's, there's not a lot of soul in that. Um, West Virginia, Oklahoma traveling to Morgantown, not a lot of soul in that. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And what I think college football, the powers that be, what I think they're missing is that soul. And that is what makes college football different from the NFL. That's why there are millions of people in this country that sit down and watch college football games that don't sit down and watch the NFL like that. It has nothing to do with politics. They'll tell you it has something to do with politics and who kneeled and who did what. But for a lot of folks, that's not really it. It's that they never cared that much about the NFL. Fantasy football is doing a whole lot for the NFL. Now, the NFL gets it right with the Super Bowl, and that's why they have, if you go to any significant list of viewership ratings over a long period of time, most of the entries in the top 10, top 15, top 20 are all Super Bowls because the NFL gets it right in a lot of ways. And I'll get into that on a, in a different podcast. But as far as your week-to-week watching a lot of the national interest in NFL football is propped up by fantasy football. But I know myself, there are lots of times where I watch games, not because I care about who's in the game or not because I care about those teams and whether they make the playoffs, but because uh, Lamar Jackson's my quarterback and he's playing at 4 p.m. So I'm going to tune in and see uh, if Lamar Jackson's going to get me some fantasy points. Um, or I might flip it over because the, the uh, Falcons are playing the dolphins on, uh, that's a bad example. I probably wouldn't own anybody on the Falcons or the Dolphins right now. But uh, let's say the Vikings are playing the uh, Rams, and I've got Dalvin Cook on my team, and I need to see if Dalvin Cook's going to be the one who finishes off this drive. Like, that's why I watch the NFL in a lot of cases, because of fantasy football. College football, it has created a passionate fan base because of that soul. And when you start talking about USC and UCLA... I might tune in and watch USC versus Utah because I care about that. And that's a bad example because Utah is pretty new to the conference. USC, Oregon. USC, Oregon State. I might tune in and watch those. I'm less likely, but if you're on the West Coast, you care about those games. Um, Washington fans care about UCLA, Arizona. And they care about it more than just conference because they have history of watching those games. To give it a better example, all right? I do not care about Arkansas and Mississippi State. Couldn't care less. Don't care about either one of those teams. Unless they're in the top five, top ten, it it does not help me any to watch it. But for some reason in my head, I feel like Arkansas and Mississippi State is more important than the records indicate. I don't know if it's true, but in my brain I feel like that game's been fun in the past. I have memories of that game. Um, I have memories of seeing those teams in that division do weird things. It's the same thing, Clemson-NC State. 
Um, that game's been close a lot. Even years it hasn't mattered, that game has been close a lot. We have history with those games. That's a part of the soul of college football. UCLA Rutgers, there's no soul in that. When the novelty wears off, unless UCLA is good in the Big Ten, nobody's going to care about UCLA games. Now, in the East Coast, a lot of folks didn't care about those games to begin with. But in at least the, the west coast of the country, the western part of the country, those games mattered. People cared when UCLA played Cal. People cared when UCLA played Arizona State. They're not going to care when it's UCLA-Maryland. And that, over time, one, it's unquantifiable. That should terrify these conferences and these TV companies that own the rights to these conferences. That it's unquantifiable what that's going to do to the product. All right? It's unquantifiable what's going to happen. Because I can tell you right now, this year, when Clemson was not a national power um, like they have been the last few years, even though they've played Boston College for several years, I wasn't that fired up to watch Clemson play Boston College. And that's, they do have a little bit of history. I remember Matt Ryan and Boston College beating Clemson in 2007, I guess it would have been. I remember that. But it still it doesn't have the same fire that Clemson, Florida State does. That Clemson, Virginia does. We talked about that a little bit last week, how Clemson, Virginia not playing each other very very often and Clemson not going to Virginia very often hurts the ACC. Well, it's still... Clemson and Virginia have history. I remember them playing. It's a part of the fabric of college football that makes it different. Those regional, and we've lost all this because everybody wants to have the best conference. It's not about, and I get it, it's money. I get it, it's TV dollars. I get it. But it's not about the regional conferences mattering. It's not about regional pride. It's not about the regional identities of these conferences and these teams. It's about money. So it doesn't matter that UCLA versus Wisconsin makes zero sense as a conference game. What matters is the spreadsheet says that, that they, they can make more money if they add UCLA and USC. Um, so I just don't like this trend. I don't think it's good for college football, and it's going to be hard to reverse. I don't think it's good for college football to go to these two or three mega conferences that don't have any sort of regional identity, I don't think it, it helps college football at all. And when we realize that it won't be next year, it won't be two years from now, it'll be five to ten years from now when they look back and go, man, TV ratings for college football are way down. I wonder why. And it'll be because of decisions that are being made right now that negatively affect the soul of college football. See, to me... What we really needed was that six, a uh, 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 eight to twelve team playoff, but go back to those six conferences when we had the Big East up there in the northeast corner of the country, and the Big Ten in the Midwest, and we had the Pac-12 out west, and we had the Big Twelve in the South Southwest, and we had the SEC, and then the ACC kind of bridging the gap between the Big East and the SEC. Give me a give me an eight to twelve team playoff with that setup, and I think I th and and because of the 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 sixth power conference, you have the talent spread out a little bit more, to where you 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 can have six 
quality champions, at least five, and they change conferences. There are going to be years when the ACC champion isn't going to be as good as the other six, other five. There'll be years when the Pac-12 champion is not going to be good as the other five. There might be years when the SEC champion is not going to be as good as the other five. But spreading out that talent, you've got smaller conferences so the teams play each other so you develop more of those natural rivalries. I pick on Georgia, but it's cool that Georgia has five to six teams they play every year that are true rivals because a lot of other teams in the country don't have that anymore. Texas doesn't play Texas A&M every year anymore. Kansas doesn't play Missouri every year anymore. West Virginia doesn't play a lot of their rivals anymore. Um, It's cool that Georgia has managed to maintain most of their major rivals. Same with Alabama. Auburn has done it too. Florida. A lot of these SEC schools largely have been able to keep most of their traditional rivals. But that's going away. When they add Texas and Oklahoma and they got that pod schedule, it's going to be years between times when Georgia is not going to be able to play Auburn and Tennessee and Florida and Georgia Tech and, and, and every year. There are going to be some of those rivalries that go to the wayside. And, and I don't think that's better for college football. So I would love to see a return to true regional um, true regional conferences. It's not going to happen, but I think the further we get away from that, the more college football loses its soul. And I think we're going to start seeing some of the detrimental aspects of that in the next few years, particularly if this, uh, this over-expansion continues. So... Let's take a quick break and we come back. Let's talk about the Heisman a little bit. Welcome back. We're going to talk about the Heisman race a little bit. I didn't want to spend too much time talking about this, frankly, because I think it's kind of coming down to a two-horse race. Um, I will be shocked if Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, if one of those doesn't win it. I know Bryce Young just won it last year. To me, um, if the Georgia defense shows up the way we thought they would against Alabama, we t- I talked about this then. This is not a surprise to you uh, if you've been listening to this podcast. Um, I, I think if if the Georgia defense did to Bryce Young what I thought they were going to do in the SEC championship game, I think C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman. If you go back and look at their numbers, if Bryce Young doesn't absolutely go off against the best defense in the country um, – C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman. Because even even in the loss to Michigan, he was fine. Uh, it also hurt him that he wasn't playing on that last on that last Saturday, on, in the, in, on Championship Saturday. So, But I think it's Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Um, if we go back to last year, just to recap those numbers, Bryce Young was phenomenal. Completed 366 of 547 passes, 4,872 yards, 47 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. It'll be a challenge this year because they're replacing a lot of receivers. By the way, if you didn't see, John Mechie has recently um, been diagnosed with leukemia. I don't think it's super terrible right now. I mean, leukemia is bad. It's cancer. It's not great. But we're not talking about something really aggressive that's uh, really life-threatening at this point. Again, it's cancer. Things change. But right now it's looking like they're talking about not if he can return, but when. Um, But not an NFL podcast. He's an NFL guy now, but thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Um, Want to see him back on the field because dude's a he's, he's got the dog in him, as they say. Uh, C.J. Stroud, similarly impressive. 4,435 yards, 44 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. You can do the math. 
that extra game that Bryce Young had against Georgia is the difference in their stats. They're very similar. Um, passer rating, Stroud actually better. He was about 186.6 to 167.5. Um, there are other guys in the quarterback conversation. I, I think DJ Wongolele at Clemson is the kind of guy that the media will love that story if he comes out this year like a man on like a man possessed and plays like he did against Notre Dame and Boston College as a freshman. Um, it's going to be hard for him to overcome those two other guys, largely because those uh, nobody is getting receivers ready and getting receivers open like Alabama and Ohio State right now. Ohio State is another gear when it comes to that, um, but. Those are guys that could theoretically, or, uh, DJ Wongole is somebody who could make some noise. Um, I would look out for Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I don't think he wins the Heisman, but we know that that potential is there. He wasn't a five-star for nothing. He wasn't the number one Heisman uh, candidate last year for nothing. I think you could see him make some real noise at South Carolina. Do I think he wins? No, but it's possible that he gets some attention, particularly he's got Georgia early. If he can have a coming out party against Georgia, who knows? Uh, Running backs, I I like Will Shipley at Clemson. I'm biased. Um, I don't think their offense is going to lend itself to that. Um, That much attention for him, really. But I can't rule it out. Tank Bigsby, I think he's still at Auburn. Uh, He would be a guy that I would look at. Um... Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, look for him. I think he's he's a guy who can make a bunch of noise. Um, and he was really doing well early last year and, and kind of fell off a little bit. But he still had 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. So uh, not bad at all. Um, wide receiving ranks, it's always tricky to, to judge wide receivers as guys who could um, who could be – the, the kind of difference maker it takes to be a Heisman. Uh, one guy that I think could is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, at I'm sure I butchered that name from Ohio State. He had 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns, but it's going to be tough to see him get the kind of a, have the kind of season to get Heisman-level attention without Stroud being just as impressive, if not more so. Um so I guess it's possible that he's more impressive than than his quarterback. I don't see it. Um, it's just going to be hard to predict any wide receivers right now. Uh, somebody could leap out off the page, of course, and and become that guy. Um, I do think you need to look out. This is a year Will Anderson has the kind of attention coming into the season. Linebacker at Alabama, he of course had an incredible year last year. 57 solo tackles, 17 and a half sacks. Didn't have any interceptions or forced fumbles. The, those are the kind of things that, those are the, the, the real difference-making plays. All right? Sacks, we love sacks, but he did lead the country in sacks at 17 and a half. Um, but there were guys right behind him like Aiden Hutchinson that had 14 sacks. But he also had a whole bunch more tackles, I'm pretty sure. Um, Let's see what we got here. Uh, I don't see it. But he, he, I think he had more tackles. He had a little bit more. um, Actually, no, I'm wrong. Anyway, 
Uh, Aiden Hutchinson got more attention because he was on a, a better defense. Alabama's defense had some trouble early on in last year. Wasn't Will Anderson's fault, but it's kind of a catch-22, and this is why defensive players have a hard time winning it, is that um, if you're on a good enough defense that you get attention for being good on defense, it starts to become, oh, well, he's a product of, and he's on such a good defense. You know, they'd be good without him. If you're not on a good defense, nobody's going to want to give the Heisman to a linebacker on a team that gives up 25 points a game. I don't think Alabama gave up 25 points a game, 30 points a game, whatever, but you get my point. When early in the year, Alabama was having trouble putting teams away because they were giving up 35, 40 points in, in some of these games, it's it's tough to, to it's tough for Will Anderson to get the attention he probably should have. But he's going to be mentioned to start this year. He's going to be somebody who they're going to say, hey, Will, he should have gotten more love from the Heisman last year. Uh, this year, he needs to see it. So Will Anderson is a name to look at. Um, me personally, if I was putting my money on anybody, it would be Stroud. I think Ohio State's going to come out. They're going to win the Big Ten. Um I don't know if they'll go undefeated. Let's look at their schedule. And this is something that, I, that I've done in the past that I haven't been able, that I, I, I didn't do to start with. But let's do that a little, real quick. Um, let's look at Ohio State's, Ohio State's schedule and see what um, see what games he might have coming up that, that really help his cause. Um <laughs> Boy, howdy. You want to talk about a marquee game to open the season? How did I forget this? Saturday, September 3rd, Ohio State versus Notre Dame in the horseshoe, 7.30 on ABC. If C.J. Stroud comes out of that game with 350 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, he could have the Heisman in his hands, and it could be his to lose from there on out. Um, then they have Arkansas State, then Toledo, Wisconsin on September 24th, Rutgers, Michigan State on October 8th, Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan. So his season to me seems to hinge on the first game of the season and the last game of the season. If he can bookend his season with big games against Notre Dame and Michigan, and fill in the middle with just typical Ohio State football where they're playing at noon and 3.30. And he puts up, and, and not a lot of folks are watching those games because we're not really going to watch Ohio State Toledo, but he puts up 450 yards and four touchdowns. Those aren't Nobody's going to give him the Heisman because he had four touchdowns against Toledo. But those are the kind of games that at the end of the season, when he goes into that game against Michigan and then against uh, Wisconsin or whoever from the other division, and then we go, oh my goodness, he's got 4,500 yards and 43 touchdowns and three interceptions. Those are the kind of games that pad those numbers. He ain't going to get five touchdowns against Notre Dame and Michigan. Probably, if he does, look out. He could be in for something real special. But um, mostly you're, lo you're looking for him to – earn the attention for the Heisman in that first game, and then just not lose it in other games. We've seen guys like Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, not win the Heisman, and I, I go to them because I followed them the, clo the mo most closely in those years, where they were great in big games, but you'd look and they might have a, a, a little dud against 
Boston College, where the team won, but they didn't play very well. And so at the end of the year, they had 12 interceptions. They didn't have any interceptions in the games that really mattered. In the big games, they were great. But in those smaller games in the middle is where they they kind of let themselves not stand out above the guy who ended up winning. So look out for that. But, man, that, that opening weekend game against Notre Dame, we're going to break down that game a little more as it gets closer, obviously. But that's, that's a game that's going to make or break his Heisman. Alabama for Bryce Young. Uh, they start out with Utah State. That's nothing special. September 10th at Texas. That's going to be where Bryce Young makes his makes his money to start with. Well, that's his first chance to answer what uh, if C.J. Stroud puts out a big number and puts some some numbers on the board the, that week before. Um, look at Arkansas on October 1st. That's a big game for Alabama. October 8th, Texas A&M. October 15th, Tennessee. Uh, then November fifth, LSU. This is where uh, this is where Bryce Young, the defending Heisman winner, is going to have a an advantage over C.J. Stroud and anybody else. Is that he's got that run in late in, in through October and early November, and then Ole Miss in November. I mean, October and November on their schedule is probably if Tennessee, especially if Tennessee is as good as we think they can be, that's going to be where. Um, Bryce Young has the advantage, but it's also going to be tougher. The Heisman is one, it's not the BCS computer. It's not the committee. They don't tend to say, hey, hey, we know Bryce Young, he had 200 yards, but 200 yards against that Texas A&M defense, that's more impressive than the 300 that Bryce Young had against Rutgers, right? Doesn't really matter. Um, if, 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 C.J. Stroud has good games to book in the season against Notre Dame and Michigan and, and good against Wisconsin, and then he has 48 touchdowns or whatever it is. It's not going to matter that Bryce Young played a tougher schedule. It's just not. Um, it'll matter in terms of which team's ranked number one or which team's ranked number two or which team, you know, if they are both got a loss, which team misses the playoffs, it's not going to matter for the Heisman. We saw that one when uh, – Robert Griffin III won the Heisman from Baylor when Lamar Jackson won it from Louisville. It, it's about those individual numbers and, and what they can do in some of those big marquee games. So um, it, that's where it'll get tougher for C.J. Stroud is, is he's got fewer of those big marquee games than, um, than Bryce Young does. We can look at the UCLA football schedule and see if maybe Charbonnet has um, a chance to, to impress and uh, the, obviously, the same Alabama games, they they are a big deal for um, Will Anderson as well. UCLA opens up on September 3rd, Bowling Green. September 10th, Alabama State. September 17th, South Alabama playing everybody from Alabama except the teams that matter. Uh, September 24th, Colorado. September 30th, Washington. October 8th, Utah. October 22nd at Oregon with Dan Lanning at Oregon. By that point, we may be talking about the Oregon defense and how much they've improved. Charbonnet can go up there and carve them up. Maybe he can uh, Maybe he can make a statement. October 29th, Stanford. Um, you, you, you can get the picture. Charbonnet's going to have to have a real big year to win that Heisman. Um, he, just, he just is. So for me... It's, it's going to come down to Stroud and Bryce Young. I, I don't see any way that it doesn't. Now now that I've said that, one's going to get hurt, one's going to get suspended, and uh, we're going to be looking for a new Heisman winner by like mid-September. I, that's, that's what I have do, doomed us to. That's my fault. 
Um, but anyway, I've, I'm kind of just rambling at this point. So let's let's wrap it up there. We've kind of set the stage for the 2022 season. I'll be back within the next couple of weeks because we're into the crunch time now. We are, you know, a month away from from really being game week. So uh, I'm going to be churning out some more content. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.